Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. The hustle is real, peers, and no one knows hustle quite like the Detroit hustle. In today's episode, we hear from Akil Elvin, the CEO and Global Chief Creative Officer of Digital Detroit Media and a Forbes 30 Under 30 listee. Detroit born and raised, Akil fought hard for years to defy prejudiced stereotypes. From a $36 day job to million-dollar contracts, Akil is proof that when you leave your comfort zone and community expectations, you can smash ceilings. In this episode, Akil shares why we need to celebrate the small wins, how he fought against prejudice in the media industry, and why believing in your worth is the greatest asset to uplevel your business. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Akil. Akil. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. Amazing. Thank you. I love it. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing and business and marketing, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invite. This is an honor. I've looked at some of the shows you've done and it was a no brainer. It, it had to happen. So thank you. Amazing. 
Great. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. My name is Akil Alvin. I am the CEO and Global Chief Creative Officer of Digital Detroit Media. And what we like to say is we're an ad agency that empowers ambitious brands to thrive in contemporary culture through a unique mix of storytelling, insights, technology, and a dash of Detroit hustle. You know, we're a global agency powered by just that Detroit hustle. So. I love the Detroit hustle. Oh, my goodness. For those of us who have never been, I've never been to Detroit, and I'm sure many of our listeners, you know, some may, some may have not. Um, But I love that. And that kind of leads me on to my very first question, which is, what was it like growing up in Detroit? And how has that impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah. First of all, it was a fun childhood. You know, the media... Um, you know, displays Detroit in such different lights. You know, I, I'll tell people all the time of our clients around the world that no matter where you are in the world, Detroit has impacted you some way, shape, or form. Whether it's the music of Motown that moves you, you know, of Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder, or the automobile industry, Ford and GM, and different things that drove you from destination to destination. Always just that impact that we never quit. It's that grit, that grind, that hustle. And I think I was raised with all three, you know, to move you to action, the grind of just never quitting. You know, I started this journey early on at the age of seven. You know, I was a big kid. And, you know, in my family, if you're big, you have to play sports. So my my mom was coerced by my cousins to put me in football. And I was with it. I was cool. I love American football. I I loved it until I realized you have to do push-ups and sit-ups. And that wasn't (laughs) what I signed up for. So what I did was I hid in my local library and I saw the awesome things that was happening in that institution. I mean, not just the books, but the technology and the events that it was put on. But I realized I was the only one at the age of seven of my peers. You know, I was the youngest one there. So I asked my local librarian, can I help produce events? Can I help produce my own type of marketing? And they said yes. And you may be thinking like the age of seven, yes, that's the hustle that Detroit put into you. You know, that, that's, that's what's emboldened in me. And from there, I turned that library to the number one in the region. Then I began to work for a national circus as a producer in marketing. And from there, I started my own company and now I'm in Forbes. Now you're in Forbes. That is absolutely right. I love all of this. I want to talk a bit deeper about this hustle and this hustle culture and especially the Detroit hustle. You know, you mentioned that for you, you had grit, you know, all the three things, you know, and you felt like that's how you grew up. And at age seven, you were at it and you were trying to look for opportunities and make things happen. You know, what did your parents do and how do you think that impacted your choices, and I guess your ability to embody that hustle? My parents, they had different careers. You know, my parents, sometimes they were on government assistance. Sometimes we were living a life. You know, that's the thing about African-Americans in this country. One paycheck can set you back, you know, because African-Americans since the beginning of time have been living within an endemic, within an epidemic, within a pandemic. This is not new to us, you know, from wealth disparities, racial gap, health disparities. We've been living in that. So they embody that hustle in me that you can never give up. That is what my parents, and also what we like to do in a Black community is a community of people, your neighbors. You know, we see you on the street. We see you doing anything. No, go get your butt in school. I know your mama. 
you know, type of things of that nature. So it was a it was a very amazing community approach that we have in Detroit, where we all look out for each other. It's it's one big family. You know, I can go around the country, and if I say I'm from Detroit or say any lingo from Detroit, it's an instant bond. You know, so my parents just helped me, pushed me into the right direction, you know, and really inspired me. And they're my biggest inspirations. You know, my mom had me at 15 years old, at 15, you know, and she didn't allow anything to stop her. You know, she was in high school and I was in school as well doing some things. But now, you know, I just wanted to make her proud. And I I think I did. And she's excited. Absolutely, you did. I love that you shared that with us, Akil, and I think it's such an important thing to talk about. You know, I'm half Nigerian and I love my black half. Obviously, I'm not based in the US, I'm here in Oz. But I think, you know, this is something that we don't talk about enough, the disparity and the struggle of black people, and especially in the US or even, you know, just around the world. You know, for you, at what point did you realize that things were different to you from perhaps your peers or others outside of the black community and that you perhaps had to work that little bit harder and hustle that little bit more? You know, at what point did you realize that? And I guess, how did that make you feel at at that age? And what did that learning teach you about the world around you? So I learned really early on when I realized that the elders in my community never left that community. They don't know what's outside of those four blocks. When my teacher at elementary and middle school was not just the teacher for my generation, but three or four generations before, like, hey, your mom went here, your grandma went here, your great grandmother went here. And it's like, you you don't know, you haven't been on a plane. You haven't been outside Detroit, let alone this neighborhood. And I knew I wanted something greater. So one of the things I did early on was for some reason, I don't know what I was doing or what I was thinking, but in my elementary school, I just faced property, you know, hopefully the statute of limitations over, but I, I did my autograph, my first autograph on the building wall. And for some reason, I just wanted people to know that I was here because I was about 10 or eight. And I wanted the people to know that I was here because I knew that I wanted something far outside of this neighborhood. I wanted my dreams were a little bit bigger. Not saying that others weren't, but my dreams, I wanted something bigger for all of us, you know? And now today, while I didn't know what I was thinking then, I just wanted people to know that I was there. That very school has a day named after me, the Kill Lavin Day. And every school, every student that comes in there know who I am. And that's the difference. It's about seeing things outside of your circle, seeing things beyond about, seeing things that you can't see. And I just always had that, that faith, that hope. That you know that you can do it. You can see things beyond your neighborhood. And I love the team that I have surrounded me that that keeps that faith in me. That, you know, if this is your ceiling, okay, now let's break through it. Let's shatter it. And let's set a new one and a new one and a new one. I was never satisfied. That has always been how I think about things. How do we break through ceilings when we feel like, we literally can't. We're trying so hard. Nothing's working. Nothing's sticking. What do we do? How do we do that? Keep the faith. You know, like I said, it, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, no one had seen outside of that neighborhood. You know, it was a, a prominent Black community called Black Bottom. And the U.S. government literally tore down Black business, Black thriving businesses in the neighborhood to build a freeway. So a lot of people were displaced. 
their source of income, their pride, their community was was gone. And they had to make ends meet, you know, at no fault of their own. And it's about things that there are setbacks, but this can be a setup for a comeback. You know, and that's what I tell myself. And I tell my little brother, allow that setback to be a setup for a comeback. And that's one of the things that we do. I, I try to instill faith in everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, since the beginning of time, Black people have had disparities and things against us, but we cannot allow it to prevail. You know, I think about Langston Hughes' quote, you know, or his poem, you know, um, when it talks about dreams and it talks about a dream deferred, you know, does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? I, for my community, that same community is a dream confirmed that I can go back in there and say, you did it. And that's all we need to show is someone who did it, who came from the same neighborhood that I came from, who walked the same hallways of that school that I came from. And to allow those young kids to touch me and to say, okay, this is what I thought my ceiling was, but I saw that you broke it. Now I can break it. You know, I tell young people all the time and I tell my my elders and peers, stop allowing people to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because that, that puts a ceiling within itself. Start asking young people, what do you want to be as you grow up? Tomorrow is not promised. And that's what I did. I followed my dreams as I grew up because I knew that I had a dream confirmed. I had a dream that was valid. And that is what we have to do. And that's what I strive to do with my company. I love that. A dream confirmed. You know, I think the thing I... I resonate with so much Akilah. This is this faith and is this just knowing? I think that's what you have, you know? I think so many of us, our peers out there listening might agree. They might just be like, how does he have such a knowing, especially when everyone and everything was telling you that like you can't do it and, it, you know, how could you possibly leave? For our peers out there listening who feel like they just don't have that inner knowing, like it's just not there. They want it. They, they're trying to find it, but it's just not there. You know, what would be your advice? How do we cultivate that within ourselves? How do we do that so that we can rise up? You know, oftentimes I think of it like a boat, right? A boat is surrounded by water. And the only time that a boat would drown is if that water get inside and we allow it to get inside and take us down. No matter what our community is doing, no matter what our family is doing, no matter what things are against us, we can get to destination, to destination, our dream. But we have to believe in ourselves. You know, one of the things I had to do was allow myself the opportunity and the grace to do it again. Give myself a thousand second chances because I am hard on myself. And I think so many of us are. We fell at our dream one time and we say, OK, I can't do it no more. So I had to allow myself to give myself a thousand second chance to say that you can do it. You know, I didn't wait for anyone else to open the door. I created my own lane and my own opportunities because that's what you can do for yourself. If you're not your own biggest cheerleader, that you will, you will fail, right? When I first started my company, I had a lot of people around me, a lot of friends. My circle was huge and it was great for my ego. I thought I was making it. It was so amazing. However, it depleted every resources that I had. Mentally, spiritually, financially, physically, it depleted every resource. And what I realized is that I didn't have anyone around me that can carry something, right? I didn't have anyone around me. T.D. Jake said this amazingly. I didn't have anyone around me that can carry something and will support me behind my back when I'm not there. And when I got that and I started believing in myself and putting the right people around me, 
That is when things took off with the Disney's and the Coca-Cola and Forbes. You have to believe in yourself. I am 26 years old, an African-American male. There are so many statistics against me. I have been in corporate boardrooms who have literally told me, if you fail, we will tell our people that we tried, that we tried to work with a black company. We have tried, you know, we, I've been told that. I have been told that. However, I did not quit because I know I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. If I can make it, everyone else out of my neighborhood can make it too because their dreams are now valid and their dreams are now confirmed. I love how you mention, and thank you so much for sharing so openly, you know, being the only one in the, the boardroom and you're wondering and they're saying to you openly, oh my goodness, you know, we'll, we'll tell them that we tried. It's funny because although my experience would be obviously different, you know, in so many ways I can resonate with that. There are many times where I think, oh, will someone not want to do business with my company because I'm half black and because I'm biracial and whatnot? And I think so many of our peers out there listening, whether, you know, whether they're black, indigenous, people of color, whoever it is, can resonate with that. Like that sometimes goes through our head. What would you say to us, those of us who are struggling to fully embrace our identity, our heritage, where we're from in this world that sometimes doesn't make it okay? You know, what would you say to us when it comes to being the only person of color in the room and trying to almost not prove ourselves, but just show our worth? Absolutely. I would say you have to show pride in your own race, your own culture, in order for someone else to show pride. You know, I tell my corporate clients all the time, the most progressive thing that you can do, since you want to be progressive, the most progressive thing that you can do is to authentically share stories of people that look like me. But even more importantly, I have to authentically see myself in your stories. You know, and that is one of the things you have to do. But if you don't have pride within yourself, if you don't love yourself or you're hiding a piece of you, how can you authentically impact culture? That is what we do. Authentically impact culture. How can you do that when you're hiding pieces of you? Come whole because corporations don't have who you are. They don't have your voice at the table. Your voice matters. Oftentimes, I'm one of the few blacks, if not the only black outside of my team. And oftentimes I'm the youngest at the table. And be quite honest with you, not every table is receptive. Not everyone wants to hear me. Some people are just doing it just to say, hey, we're doing diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have this black guy at the table, so let's take a picture. If you're in there for five minutes, what are you doing in that space? And are you leaving that door cracked for someone else to come through? Right? Because I come as one but I stand as 10,000. I and you, Michelle, are your ancestors' wildest dreams. I always remember that. So whoever you are that is listening to this podcast, come authentically you. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. You are amazing. You are talented. And so many other adjectives that we could say. Come authentically you because you are someone's wildest dreams. Whatever anger you're going through, whatever tears you have shed, you, my friend, are someone's wildest dreams. And I can't say that enough. You can do it. I absolutely love this. You guys can't see me. I'm nodding along. I'm like, yes, so good. 
I want to dive a bit deeper into the origins of your business and how that came to be. You know, you talked a little bit about you at age seven, you were at it, you were, it was happening. You started going into the music world or, you know, entertainment and, and, and video and whatnot. Can you talk to us a little bit about that shift once you'd graduated? In 2013, you finished Detroit School of Performing Arts. Talk to us a little bit about that shift from, okay, I'm kind of in performing arts and now I'm going to go off and like be in media and, and kind of where that idea for Digital Detroit Media came from and those initial steps that you took to get it off the ground. Absolutely. So when I was seven, things kept piling up so much so that I was getting calls from corporations and municipalities. Hey, we want you to work with us. So growing into high school as a freshman, I started working with the city of Detroit as an intern. We started producing videos, PSAs, different things of that nature. Then I I got a call from MSNBC. Hey, we're going to come to Detroit. We want you to come work with us. Then I received to get calls from other people. So while in high school, I was working. But one of the things I realized was media is intertwined through it all. Even at a hospital, if you go to a hospital, there's a television station just for that hospital in your room, wherever you go. No matter if it's a doctor's office, there's so many different intertwines that media can flow. So I realized that I can do that. So one day upon graduating high school, I asked my high school teacher, what do you think about this? What do you think about me starting my own company? And without hesitation, he said, yeah, you should do it. You got this. You have the connections. You've built the reputation. You can do it. And next thing you know, his second breath was, all right, well, after 20 plus years teaching, I'm done. Let's start it together. I'm by your side. And still to this day that my high school teacher runs productions for my company. Chief communications officer of my company, Michelle, who you've communicated with, was another high school teacher. My dreams were valid. So that is what happened. And I started my company very young. And, you know, I was very strategic on putting Detroit in the name. Because no matter where you are, like I said earlier in the conversation, Detroit has impacted you. You know, you can think of Motown. I got Sunshine to Michael Jackson to wherever. We have impacted you and moved you in some way. You know, the Motor City, we have we have got you to destination and destination. But also we showed you that we would never quit. We showed you that a seven-year-old kid who interned for the city of Detroit now runs all of the city of Detroit's media today because my company is the first company to have an agency of record contract with a municipality in the country. And we touch everything the city has, all the messaging. At 26 years old, and the director of that department that I interned for worked for me. I love it, Akil. I want to talk about, this is just fascinating that all of your high school teachers came along for the journey. It's incredible. I want to talk a bit about the early struggles. You know, I think we can pump ourselves up. And you alluded to this before, like you bring on board all these amazing people and then you're, it's all happening. And then you realize, wow, I'm running an actual company. I'm trying to run an actual company here. How do I make this viable? Can you talk to us a little bit about the early struggles when you were 18, you were figuring it out and you were trying to bring everyone else on the journey? You know, A, I was young. So no one was taking it serious, right? And we began to, we had to build a portfolio. So we had to do shoots and jobs. However, no one was taking me seriously. So we had to do it for dirt cheap. Um, I remember I was doing a 22-hour shoot straight, 22 hours. 
with a with a, a rapper, I won't say the name, <laughs> 22 hours straight. And after the shoot, they looked at us, they pulled out a wad of cash. It had to be over 10 grand, just a huge wad of cash and pulled us $36 for my team. $36. That was a day I wanted to give up. I didn't know what I didn't know, right? I didn't have any family members in this. I didn't know about taxes. <laughs> so I was literally going in blind. And I'm thinking, oh, let's keep doing free shoots to build our portfolio. You know, however, I have to say that you have to believe in you first. Believe in you. And that it turned the tide. Once I started believing in me, we began to charge what we were worth, right? We began to, first of all, implement contracts. That was the biggest thing. Implement a contract. Um, get it signed, get a deposit. And honestly, after that $36, it was about six in the morning. Me and my former teacher, and he's a white guy, white guy, grew up on a farm, coming to inner city Detroit to be with this black kid. And it's six in the morning, $36, retired. We went to a local restaurant that was open and literally ate as the sun came up with this $36. And we didn't stop. You know, that's the difference. Sometimes you have to realize that your breakthrough is right on the other side of that. Your breakthrough, your mission, your destiny is right on the other side of struggle. So if you can get through that, now we have multi-million dollar contracts, right? And honestly, that same rapper is calling us again to work with us. You know, so it's about getting through that because a lot of people stop at that moment. A lot of people stop, but you cannot. You cannot. Your destiny is on the other side of that struggle. How do we not stop when we feel like we've been just slapped in the face like you were with that 36? I I can't believe it. I thought you were going to say a thousand. Like that is shocking to me. Crazy. How do we push through in those moments, you know, whether it's we're trying out a new career, we're trying to start a business, we're trying to just make something happen for ourselves this year. You know, how do we push through when we are at our absolute lowest and everyone around us is pretty much saying you should quit? It's the smart option. Absolutely. So like I said, I come from a, a, a place of faith, right? Where in the Bible it said, I will prepare a table within the presence of your enemy. So don't, it's that same mindset of the boat. All of this struggle and all of this animosity can be around you. The only time that you will sink is if you allow it to get inside. And honestly, my mom at that point, okay, you're 18. You foregone your full ride scholarship to college because you wanted to follow your dreams. And now you're not bringing in money and you're gone all night. And you're saying, mom, I didn't make any money. So what is going on? So then it, it begins to family. We'll start saying, okay, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know what I'm saying? But however, you have to believe in yourself because once again, your breakthrough and your destiny is on the other side of that. And it's about doing that. It's about sticking through. And it's about believing in yourself, having a vision board. Okay, Q1, I want to do this. Q2, I want to do this. And not just that, continue to learn. Continue to learn. I still to this day go to workshops, go to seminars. I'm on YouTube all night trying to learn what NFTs are because I just, I do not understand. But just keep doing it. You have to keep doing it. You have to, you have to be your own inspiration, right? You have to, you have to celebrate yourself, you know, encourage yourself. You have to do that because it was times where I really, 
it was times where I, I wanted to give up on more ways than one. It was times where it was a time where I wanted to commit suicide. It was a time where I was I was at my lowest, right? But that's when my team came in and stepped up. That's when people came in and believed in me. And also, if I, and I tell people this all the time, if that was my death date, the day that I wanted to commit suicide, if that was my death date, my date since then, from then to today, my life has been 20 times greater. 20 times greater. And I thought I had reached my ceiling at that point. I thought I had seen all the greatness that I've seen. You know, and now, from then to now, I'm in Forbes. We've worked with Coca-Cola, Disney, so many others, and I'm only 26. And we can do this. So if you are thinking about giving up in any way, shape, or form, I am your wake-up call. I am the thing that was sent to you to say, keep going. Please keep going. I believe in you. And if no one has told you today or lately that they love you, I don't know you, but I love you. You can do it. That is what we're here for. That is what we're here for. Yes, yes. Oh, kill. I could literally listen to you all day. I love it. I want to talk a bit about the ascension of your business. So you're going through all of these failures, you know, as you mentioned, you're pushing through, it's the $36. You've now, your mindset is like, let's just keep it going. At what point in the business, at how many years in did you feel that, hang on a second, this is starting to turn around. We are starting to get deals like the Coca-Cola's or even maybe not even that big, but you know, at what point did that happen for you? And and just what part of the journey, I think the misconception for so many of our peers out there listening is that, oh, it will just happen quickly. Oh, just give it, you know, in a year. But, you know, you've been at this for like almost, you know, like eight, nine years, you know. At what point did that happen? And what was that experience like for you? So one of the things I, I encourage people to do is celebrate small wins, right? I didn't always look at it like I had to make 10 grand, 20 grand, a million dollars in order to be happy. Remember, we made $36 to split. So if there was a $500 job, just imagine <laughs> my former teacher, he is so silly. So we're singing, we're, you know, it's like a musical up the street. We just made $500. We are excited because we celebrated small wins throughout. And, you know, I, one of the things I didn't do and my team did not allow me to do is to look at other people's journey and say, mine is failing. Because social media only shows you the highlight reel, right? So if you're looking at someone else's journey and you're comparing yourself, you're going to feel sad because you're only seeing the highlights, you're not seeing the lowlights. So one of the things I did is I celebrated small wins, the $500, the $200. Oh my God, when we made a thousand dollars, it was amazing. You paid a thousand dollars for the same thing that someone paid $36 for? Those small wins add up. You know, those small wins can start a staircase to your destiny. Allow yourself to celebrate small wins, celebrate where you are, live in the moment. You know, so it started to change around when those $250, $500, $1,000, it started to add up. And I remember it changed around around 2016. We were at this event and one of the sponsors was Ford Motor Company. The head of Ford saw it and was like, hey, can I see a video right now on your laptop? I know you have your laptop. All right, here's my laptop. Show her the video. And she said, okay, 
call me tomorrow. We have something for you. So we're thinking, okay, this is Ford Motor Company. What is going on? What she did was, and I, I always have to give her credit for this, Angela Henderson, she's still with Ford to this day. She opened up the door and paid us our worth. She paid us our worth. And it was the first time we made, you know, almost 50 grand on a video and believed in us and, and said, this is what you're worth. Now, you can't go lower than this, but also you just worked with Ford. So now you can go to a different sphere and I'm going to be the back and I'm going to be, I'm going to call and be your reference. I'm going to do this because I believe in you. That is what we have to do as people of color. If you're in a position of power and you can open a door for somebody, if you can leave a crack for somebody, do that because now I am a part of her legacy, right? She's making moves around globally. Now she has someone she opened the door for in Forbes now because she was the first one to believe in us. So it's one of those things where celebrate small wins and believe in yourself. Oh, I love that. I love that you only, sometimes it only just, it takes one person to go, hey, I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to invest what you're worth. And then it's almost like everything you already knew is confirmed. And I'm just, that just resonates so deeply with me. And I'm sure so many of our peers that happened to me recently, you know, maybe two years ago now where I'm, I had a similar moment and you kind of sit back and reflect and you go, whoa, what I'm doing and what I've been doing for years is actually validated right now with this amount of money, with this person and the feeling Oh my goodness. The feeling, a kill is literally, oh, I love it. Look, Akil, we could talk for days, but I am mindful of your time. I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? Greatest failure. My greatest failure was, I would go with not believing in me, right? Not knowing your worth. You know, there was a job that we were going for. And I was like, oh, I don't think we're ready for this. And we went extremely low ball. We we went cheap because we know, okay, well, at least we'd be the lowest and we could possibly get the job. And we didn't get the job because we were too low. Because you didn't bet on yourself. They didn't think that you were ready because you went in low. So whoever's listening, please believe in you, right? Believe in you. Sometimes when you're too cheap, a lot of people don't want you, you know, allow yourself to really go into your journey, follow yourself. And I think that was the biggest failure because I had, I was afraid of success, right? I was afraid of, because what would this look like? Okay. How would this change me? How would this change people around me? I was afraid of what would this money look like? Like I was happy with $500 at a point, but my biggest success was allowing myself to let go. Because I knew my company can only go so far as I can take it. That was hard. I will look at team members who I would bring on. And if they don't do it right, I'll say, I'll do it. And it was to the point where people will know that if they drop the ball, I'll pick it up. They wouldn't even do it. And I would be mad, you know, but I didn't allow them to soar, right? I would be mad and I wouldn't allow them to fail. I would be mad and I didn't allow them to learn. I stifled their learning because I wanted to be in control. And when I took a step back and became a leader, right? A leader is not giving delegation all the time and saying, you have to do this. You have to do this. I own the company. A leader is sitting beside you, allowing you to fail and saying, okay, this is what you need to learn. 
Let's do it from this. Let's start it over. That is a leader. And now I have the most amazing team in the world. I would not be here without my team. From Tara, Colin, Alicia, Michelle, John, Joe, uh, my LA team, my West Coast team, to so many others. I would not be here without them. You know, while it was only one name in Forbes, that is the people that put in the work, that goes into the meetings, send the emails, making sure everything is great. You know, I have to give a big shout out to Michelle, who, you know, oftentimes it's one of those things where I don't tell people how much I appreciate them. And on this global podcast, I want to tell my team, thank you. I sincerely appreciate you all. And I sincerely love you all. I wouldn't be here without this. So I'm excited. Oh, Akil, what a leader you are. And I just, oh, yes. I think it's just so valuable what you said, you know, appreciating those who have allowed you to get to where you are. And I think sometimes, especially as CEOs, as founders, as, you know, as entrepreneurs, we can get caught up in, well, we only know the way and, you know, it's it's our baby. But I think, you know, it's something I'm currently struggling with, the letting go part. I think it's such a skill. It's so hard. It's such a skill. Oh, my goodness. Hukakil, over the last almost decade of being in business, well, you know, eight, nine years, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received so much recognition for your work, worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. And as we've spoken about, most recently you were featured on the 2022 Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? You have to realize that you don't need a lot of people around to stroke your ego, right? Like I said, I had a lot of people around and it was great for my ego, but they didn't do anything. Sometimes you only need two or three people to help you start off. You know, the biggest and the most successful and the most beautiful trees in the world can have millions of leaves, but every time something goes wrong, they fall off and die. Then they can have thousands of branches, which that can be tricky, right? Because a branch, it looks strong, but as soon as you step on them, they're gone and they're broken. But they can have two or three roots, and they can live thousands of years. And sometimes we have to find our roots. Find your roots. Find your why. Right? Find out why do you do this, and things will be easy. My second piece of advice is to love what you do. You know, if I didn't love what I did, that $36 would have been the end. It would have been the end. Honestly, me and one of my chiefs were there and we just literally laughed in the local diner. We laughed as we ate because we could not understand. We, I was speechless. So we were speechless all on the ride there because it's like, did they really just give us $36? Love what you do because once again, your destiny is on the other side of that. Push through, push through. And lastly, my last piece of advice I would say is, Give yourself grace. Allow yourself a thousand second chances. And as soon as you get to 10 or you fail, forgive yourself, right? We are too hard on ourselves. We are entirely too hard because we're comparing or we don't think we're great enough or we don't think we're able to do this. Allow yourself to fail. Give yourself grace because you are worthy. You are amazing. If you don't give yourself grace, how can you allow someone else to? If you don't celebrate yourself, how do you allow someone else to? 
If you don't celebrate your culture, how do you allow someone else to? If you don't know your worth, how would you ever get a seat at the table? Right? You didn't make that a requirement. You didn't make celebrating you a requirement. You didn't allow respecting you a requirement because you didn't do it. You are amazing. You are able. You are wonderful. You can do it. Give yourself grace. If you fail today, I failed today. I had a meeting right before this, which were filled with technical difficulties, but I allow myself to give myself grace. This call, this podcast, were filled with technical difficulties before we got started. But look at it now because we allowed ourselves to have grace. We didn't get hard on ourselves. We didn't stop. We didn't quit. You are worthy. You can do it. Once again, your breakthrough, your destiny is on the other side of this. Love on yourself, please. Loving yourself. I love it. Akil, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing for showing us, you know, in particularly us ambitious people of color, that if we have that vision, that goal and that dream, although it may seem so far away and so unachievable, it absolutely is. And your story and everything that you are shows us that. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode. What is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Wow. I see you left the last one of me deep. Okay. It's invaluable, right? It's one of those things where it's priceless. You know, it's one of those things where you have to do everything that you have to do today that you can live a priceless tomorrow, right? You have to put in the work today to know that your dreams are confirmed. Your dreams are valid. You know, you have to know that now I can walk in my neighborhood and other kids can say, oh, yeah, you know, football is cool, but I want to own a team because I know that's possible. It's one of those things where you can know that it's invaluable to know that you changed lives, that you broke generational curses. You know, I was the first one in my family in my media family that had a bank account, you know, because it's one of those things where you can break that, that you can do that. And that's invaluable for my family. Right. So now they're good because you can do it. You have to look at things of that nature. Right. To make sure that no generation after me will have to deal with some of the things that I had to deal with. That's invaluable. It's not about a kill. It's never been about a kill. And my team knows it's not about a kill. It's about a young person knowing that they can follow their dream as they grow up, not when. That is invaluable. That their dreams are valid at 13, at 7, at 12. You know, as an African-American man where I came from, we dreamt in segments. I want to be this by 13. Okay, I made it to 13. I want to be this by 16. Okay, I made it to 16. I want to be this by 18, then 21, then 25. Because at every age, we knew someone who was killed at that age. You know, black men aren't allowed and don't have the privilege of long-term dreaming in this country. We didn't have the privilege of doing that. So why not follow your dreams now? Tomorrow is not promised. Break that generational curse. Nobody after me in my media family has went to, nobody has went to jail, not had a bank account, not did all this. Because now I show them that you have something greater than yourself. That glass ceiling is broken for my little brother and little sister. They can do it. And for my kids, they can do it. 
This is what a dream confirmed looked like. Michelle, you are what a dream confirmed looked like. You did it. This podcast is amazing. You're global. You're talking to somebody in Detroit. You're in Australia. You did it. You know, if I had a daughter, I promise you, I would tell her about you. You are a dream confirmed. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that's listening. Thank you, Akil. Oh, my goodness. Akil, ladies and gentlemen, what an absolute blast and what a story. We appreciate you so much. Oh, my goodness. That was amazing. Where can we learn more about you and Digital Detroit Media? Absolutely. Go to our website at www.digitaldetroitmedia.com. You can see the news section, what we're doing. We have a lot of news that we're getting ready to announce. Or social media, Digital Detroit Media. You know, I am I'm honored to be here. I love this. I love what you're doing. Thank you for reaching out. You are amazing. And we have to stay in contact because what you're doing is amazing. And whatever I can do to help, please let me know. You have a friend forever in Detroit. Oh, Akil, you have a friend forever in Australia. We appreciate you. I appreciate you. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Thank you.